0: After this, I looked, and behold, a door standing open in the heavens, and the first voice which I heard speaking into me like a trumpet said, Come up here, and I will show you what must take place after this. And once I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne stood in heaven, with one seated on the throne, and one who sat there and had the appearance of jasper and carnelian. Around the throne was a rainbow that had the appearance of an emerald. Around the throne were twenty-four thrones, and seated on the thrones were twenty-four elders, clothed with white garments and golden crowns on their heads. From one throne came flashes of lightning and rumbling and peals of thunder, and before the thrones were burning seven torches of fire, which are the seven spirits of God. And before the throne, there it was, was at the sea of glass like crystal. And above the throne, on each side, there are four living creatures, full of eyes in front and behind. The first living creature like a lion, and the second like an ox. The third creature with the face of a man, and the fourth like an eagle in flight. And the four living creatures, each of them had six wings, and are full of eyes around and within. And day and night they never cease to say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is to come. And whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who is seated on the throne, who lives forever and ever... The 24 elders fall down before him, and they're seated on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They cast their crowns before the throne, saying, Worthy are you, the Lord and God. You receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they existed and were created. Then I saw at the right hand of him who was seated on the throne a scroll written within the back, sealed with seven seals, and I saw the mighty angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who was worthy to open the scroll and break the seals? And no one in heaven or on earth, or under the earth, was able to open the scroll or look into it. I began to weep loudly because no one was found to no one was found worthy to open the scroll or to look at it. One of the elders said to me, "Weep no more. And behold, the Lion of the tribe of Judah and the Root of David has conquered, so he can open the scroll and its seven seals. And between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders, I saw a lamb standing." And as though it had been slain, the seven horns with seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God, sent out into all the earth. And he went and he took the scroll from the right hand of him, who was seated on the throne. When he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and twenty-four elders fell down before the Lamb, each holding a harp and golden bows full of incense, which were the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song, saying, Worthy are you who takes the scroll and opens its seals. For you were slain by your blood, you are ransomed for the people of God and from every tribe and language and people and nation. You have made them a kingdom and the priests to our God and they shall reign on earth. And then I looked and I heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders and the voice of many angels, numbering myriads and myriads and thousands of thousands, saying it with a loud voice. Worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and the night and honor and the glory and the blessing.
1: All right. How are we doing today? Okay. Never do that again. Okay. Awesome. Uh, For you guys who don't know me, my name is Michael, and uh, I have the privilege of talking today in the book of Revelation, which Emma did such a great job of reading, right? Let's give her a round of applause. That was awesome. Um, If you guys do not have Bibles, uh, we got some Bibles to the back and uh, you can grab one. And if you don't own a Bible, take it home. That one's yours. And uh, we just want to make sure that you guys are constantly, you know, bringing those things and making sure that we're using them because um, obviously what Emma read was quite a bit. And uh, it's going to be really, really important that we're kind of just soaked into this and understanding that what we're actually learning from is not like me and my words and whatever I have to say, but it's actually coming from the Bible. So what we're doing is we're talking about Revelations chapter four and five. What you just heard is the most important part of all of this. This image, this central image of what Emma just read is the most important part of everything that we're going to go to in this whole series. That Thing, Whatever you just heard is the pivot. It's the change. It's the thing that changes everything about the way that you see how life goes. It's very, very important. John shows up and all of a sudden he sees this door open and on the inside of that he sees this, cool, this whole like throne situation. It's like he gets a behind the scenes look at what heaven looks like. Now, this is not a new kind of concept. This happens all the time in the Bible, and, and there's a couple different places where this happens, but this main image that we get to, to see here is John, like, grasping at the leash of language, trying to get any kind of thing that he can to explain what it is that he's seeing. It's like, it's like Jasper. No, it's like, it's like a, an emerald. Like, he's trying as much as he possibly can to, like, describe the beauty of whatever he's laying his eyes on. This has happened over and over and over again, right? Look at, uh, look at Ezekiel, Ezekiel chapter one. It's this book in the Old Testament of this prophet and look at what his description of this almost the same scene is. Says, as i looked behold a stormy wind came out of the north and a great cloud with brightness around it and fire flashing forth continually in the mi- in the midst of the fire as it were gleaming metal and from the midst of it came the likeness of four living creatures and this was their appearance they had a human likeness as for their likeness of their faces each had a human face the four had the face of a lion on the right side the right side the four had the face of an ox on the left side and the four had the face of an eagle Skip down to verse 26. And above the expanse over their heads, there was a likeness of a throne in appearance like sapphire. And seated above the likeness of throne was a likeness with a human appearance. And upward from what had the appearance of his waist, I saw it was like gleaming metal. And he goes on to keep going and describing over and over again what it is that he sees. And it sounds exactly what John is kind of talking about. It's the same thing. These seem the same creatures are showing up, these like four weird animals, which is really just trying to describe all of creation. These four creatures surrounding this throne and kind of just worshiping in essence. But the but the beautiful switch of what we get to see here is that both of these men are getting to see heaven behind the scenes, except for now what we see with John is, that, is is the heavens have changed. The heavens are different than what they used to be. He sees something that we've never seen before. Look at what it says. Chapter 5. Verse one of four, then I saw in the right hand of him who was seated on the throne, a scroll written within and on the back sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming with a loud voice, who is worthy to open this scroll and break its seals? And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look into it. And I began to weep loudly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or to look into it. That's kind of like a weird, random thing to be crying about, right? It's just a piece of paper, bro, like chill out. And so you actually begin to understand like what this really is entailing. This is what... um, this one guy's name is Gerald Johnson. He writes this about this scroll and what it actually is. The scroll contains the full account of what God in his sovereign will has determined as the destiny of the world. Seven seals, seven is the number of completeness. The scroll contains the completeness of God's plan. The scroll contains God's plan for rectifying what is wrong and establishing his gracious rule in the world, a plan which by necessity involves judging all that is wrong and destroying all that is in the way. The scroll contains God's plan for bringing the kingdom of heaven to earth. The scroll contains the meaning of history, the meaning of world history, the meaning of your history and my history. This is a very, very important thing. And the reason why this should matter to you is because This is trying to solve something. It's trying to fix an issue. It's an issue that every single one of us, regardless of where we're coming from, are going to face one day or another. It's corruption. It's the poverty of our own souls. It's the idea that we are constantly in defiance of what God has called for us in our life. And we see it all over the place. Right, I just got back from this long trip, and, and and the things that I'm just witnessing and I'm seeing is like breaking my heart. That all of us are looking for something, someone to bring us out of the stuff that we are into. Man, I, I remember last year I was in Haiti. Right, I just got back from Haiti. Last year, I was there, and some of you might recognize this story, but I remember going to this place, and, and I don't know about you, but as a kid, I was always the one who ran away from my mom telling me to bring up the, the, the groceries, because for some reason, my mom always gave me the eggs, and I would crack those suckers like it was my job. And now I grew up with this like terrible fear of holding eggs, right? So I go to Haiti and we're we're giving out the food to sponsorship uh, the kids and the families or whatever, and what do they put me on? Egg duty. This is like this is terrible. I'm freaking out. Like this is this is this is not my jam, right? I can this is their this is their livelihood. This is like months, their, their month of food that I'm in charge of not destroying. This is tense, sweaty, it's awkward, like whatever. So as we're kind of going through the line, like I'm totally totally, like, just so calm. I'm like, yep, there you go. And then they're all like, "We" or whatever they're saying, because they speak French. And they're kind of going off, and I get through the whole line, and I'm like, oh, thank you, Lord, because that was the scariest thing I've ever been a part of. And after this, like, all of these families are hanging out and chilling in this compound, and this one little boy runs up to me, and he grabs me in the leg, it's like five or six years old, and he looks at me and he's just like speaking French at me, right? So I respond back with like the only sentence that I got, which is like, Bonhomme de Neige, right? Which, uh, if you know, uh, that means snowman. And so I, I looked at him and I'm like, snowman, bro, right? And he's just like gripped onto my leg. And he's like, he's like loving the leg. Like he's like all about it. And so he's like going back at me. He's like, oh, oui, oui, oh whatever. <laughs> he's doing his thing. And, uh, and I'm like, what the heck is going on? Like this guy's, this guy's just gripped on there. And so I asked the translator, I'm like, Saul, like what is, what is he saying to me? And he goes, he loves you like his father. Oh my gosh! Right? This is a, this is it's a big moment. Like, I've never had a son before, right? So now I got a son, and I'm like chilling in Haiti, and I like have this kid with me, and I'm like, man, like this is this is awesome, right? Like, I just I got a son, and so I'm looking at him, he's just like chilling, and I'm like, dude, let's get this guy a sucker, right? And so there's like a sucker table whatever and all the little kids are getting suckers and i'm like let's let's go right so i'm like hey we're moving and uh and so we get over to the suck table i'm like this is my son like let's get him let's get him a lollipop and i go hey man like what 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 color do you want right and he goes i want rouge and i knew that one right i'm like let's get you some purple and so i got him a purple one and uh and immediately after this is no word of a lie one of the most heartbreaking moments of my life. I give him this purple sucker. He gets the sucker and he looks at me in the face and runs in the opposite direction out of the compound. I don't know if you've ever lost a son before, but for me, this was, this was a heartbreaking moment, man. I had him for like five seconds and it was, it was downhill. So now I'm defeated, you know, I'm broken and I'm walking back. I'm like, you know, you start doing that thing. We start asking yourself these questions. What could I have done better? You know, I should have just got him a snowman or whatever. (laughs) So I go back and I'm talking to the translator and I just ask him, like, what was, what was that? Like the dude just played me for a sucker. And, uh, (laughs) anyway, (laughs) it's horrible. I apologize. And, uh. And, and so I asked the translator, I'm like, hey, what, what, what was this whole thing? And he goes, um, no, he, he usually does that when teams kind of come around and his background is, you know, his dad took off and, and there's a lot of other like guys like coming in and through his house and there's a lot of abuse. And so he has this kind of distrust of older men and kind of just needs, gets whatever he wants from them and, and he kind of just takes off. The kind of reality sets in or I'm looking at this kid and I'm like, man, you're, you're like a six-year-old. And you're already cynical about life because of the things that have happened to you. Where now you just can't trust anyone. And then this trip, I go to somewhere like Guatemala and I go into Guatemala City and, and us Canadians, we like to make a big deal, you know? Don't go to Wally, it's dangerous. <laughs> I'm like, this, that's a joke. You know, 11 people were murdered in Vancouver last, in 2016, 11, 11 people in Vancouver. You know, people were killed in Guatemala city last year, 1,596 in a city the same size as ours. Or let's take it like one step more What about a city like Caracas in in Venezuela? Where in 2016, they had 4,300 people killed. We should make you ask a lot of questions about us as human beings. Or what about the idea that when I go to Haiti, I look at a place that is so impoverished and so broken that they don't even have buildings over a story because the earthquake just destroyed everything. And now, years and years after the fact, they're finally beginning to pick up the pieces. And I look at the way this whole thing operates. You know that there's organizations that sent millions of dollars of equipment to Haiti that are now locked up in storage units because customs wants to get paid off and people don't have the money to pay it. And now millions of dollars of equipment is just sitting there rotting away and never being used because of somebody else's greed? Or or what about the idea that since the earthquake in Haiti till today, they've realized that 75% of the charities in that country were fraudulent. And big companies were just putting charities there so that they could have a place to vacation and get to the Dominican Republic easier. And I look at all the people around and I go, oh, so that person's dying so you can go on vacation, makes sense. Or what about when I go to a small rural hospital that's supposed to just care for thousands and thousands and thousands of people and I walk in there and I'm trying to pray for all of these little kids who are just post-op or people going in there and just getting checked into this hospital. We're just trying to pray for all of these little children and I'm looking at them and I'm going, what is this? I'm holding a baby of malnutrition that could easily be fixed if that baby was living in Canada. And I ask, so why, why isn't she being taken care of? And they said, well, because there's no funding. Well, Why is there no funding for this hospital? Well, because a government official decided to take half of the health budget for themselves. And so you're asking me, I'm I'm literally staring. I'm literally looking at a dying human child because of somebody else's greed. Yes. Now that's why this is important. That's why this is the most important thing. This whole image of this guy seeing some throne with some weird scroll. That's why this is important because every single one of us are in this position where we're looking at this and going, what is wrong with the world that we are in? We do not have to go far in this room to say, man, this place is screwed up. For as great as Canada is and how secure and safe we are, there are things that are happening that is we do not have any idea to reconcile the human situation that we have. How can we possibly get away with the idea in our lives that what we are doing is just so selfish that we would cause other people to suffer and we're okay with that? This is everyone's problem. And so what do they do? They need this, they need this solution. They need the answer. How do we solve this problem? It's, it's in this scroll, but the scroll's locked up. This is where the secret is. So all of these people are now looking around all of heaven and they're going, is it you? No, it's not. Is it you? No, it's not. And they're going through every single individual, every piece of creation. They are filtering through. And what's John's only response that he has? It's the only thing he can do. Verse three, and no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or look into it. And how does he react? And I began to weep loudly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or to look into it. And as much as we want to figure out and believe in ourselves that we, we know how to do this, we don't. As much as we can say, no, no, I can handle myself. I can fix my own things. I can, I can do life the way that I want to. It'll catch up to us really quick. We need someone to fix this. We need someone to go into our place and do the things that we cannot do. Right, back in ancient history, they would have assumed that the person who would come to, you know, their their safety and the person who would rescue them from their despair is the king. The king would be the one who would right all the wrongs and who would save us from our stuff. And that would be the individual who would do it. And they had all of these rules and these regulations. What about this? In in Deuteronomy 17, 15 to 20, this is what God kind of writes about the rules of a king. You may indeed set a king over you Whom the Lord your God will choose, one from among your brothers, you shall set as king over you. You may not put a foreigner over you who is not your brother, only he must not acquire many horses for himself or cause the people to return to Egypt in order to acquire many horses. Since the Lord has said to you, you shall never return that way again. And he shall not acquire many wives for himself, lest his heart turn away, nor shall he acquire for himself excess silver and gold. And when he sits on the throne of his kingdom, he shall write for himself in a book, a copy of this law approved by the priests. This is the rule of the person who's supposed to represent all of the country. Imagine if you know Trudeau went to a global summit with presidents and prime ministers. Who is he representing? All of us. It's the king's job. Represent us all. Do the work that is needed for every single one of us. That is our representation. And then you get a guy who is the wisest of all people. His name is Solomon, he's the king. What's the rules? Don't acquire too many horses, don't acquire too many wives, don't get too much money. And look at the description of how it talks about Solomon here. Now look in the number of the talents of gold that Solomon has. Now the weight of gold that came to Solomon in one year was 666 talents of gold. 666. It's kind of a familiar number for us, isn't it? Besides that which came from the explorers and from the business of the merchants and from all the kings of the West and from the governors of the land, King Solomon made 200 large shields of beaten gold, 600 shekels of gold went into each shield, and he made 300 shields of beaten gold. Three minus of gold went into each of these shields. The king also made a great ivory throne and overlaid it with the finest gold. The throne had six steps, and the throne had a rounded top, and on each side of the seat were armrests and two lions standing besides the armrests while 12 lions stood there, one on each end of a step on the six steps. The like of it was never uh, seen before in any kingdom. All King Solomon's drinking vessels were of gold and all the vessels of the house of the forest of Lebanon were of pure gold. Thus, King Solomon excelled all the kings of the earth in riches and in wisdom and the whole earth sought the presence of Solomon to hear his wisdom. 26, and Solomon gathered together chariots and horsemen. He had 1,400 chariots and 12,000 horsemen whom he stationed in the chariot cities and with the king in Jerusalem. We look to the people around us and we say, I want you to be the one that saves me. I want you to be the person who figures me out. We do this all the time. We do this with people who we like. You know, my, my heart hurts a little bit I don't feel like I value myself a lot. So what's, what's my solution to my own self-doubt and bringing myself down? Well, I'll, I'll just get a guy in my life and he's gonna make everything better. Or if you're a guy and you're saying, man, I, I have all of these issues with my own value. What am I gonna do? What's gonna be the solution for my problems about me? Well, let's just get a girl in my life and she'll fix everything. It's the same thing. What about the issues that we talk about and these narratives and these stories that we tell ourselves every single day about the way that we live our life and we believe that the only thing that will solve every single one of the issues is maybe the approval of a parent who doesn't really pay me much attention. That'll be the thing that really does it for me. We strive as if that is the solution. Who's gonna fix us? I feel like lots of us can go in the same situation and just kind of look around to all the people around us and go, is it you? Is it you? Is it you? Are, are you going to be able to fix me? Is it you? And our natural responses would probably be the same thing. Distress, fear, brokenness, weeping. It's hopeless. That's what the Bible's telling us. If you're looking around, there's no one there. Distress and fear and hopelessness. And in a single moment, everything begins to change. Look at how it explains this image in Revelation chapter five. It's very, very important for us to be able to see what does he hear versus what does he see? What does John hear? And what does John see? Look what it says. Verse four, and I began to weep loudly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or look into it. And one of the elders said to me, this is what he's hearing. Weep no more. Behold, the lion, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David has conquered so that he can open up the scroll and its seven seals. What he hears is someone tell him the lion of Judah is the one who's gonna do this, the lion, right? That image is powerful, it's strong, it's aggressive, It's, it's going to attack, and by its power, it's going to accomplish things. That's the image we get from a lion. It's powerful, it's strong, it will have its way. But what does he see? Verse six, And between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders, I saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain with seven horns and with seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all of the earth. Here, this is the impression that every single one of us would have of what a savior would look like. Powerful, strong, aggressive, attacking. It's like a military ruler, a commander, a general. That's the picture that we would love. That's the one who's gonna figure it out. The strong, tall, burly, powerful individual. That's the one. You can imagine them all being so excited. Finally, we found him, finally. And what does he see? Doesn't see an aggressive, attacking, powerful lion. He sees a lamb. This is the way that one scholar takes this whole image. He says, This is perhaps the most mind wrenching rebirth of images in literature. The slot in the system reserved for the lion had been filled with the Lamb of God. This changes everything. This one single little picture, it's not the lion, it's the Lamb. It's the Lamb. It's the small, weak vessel that has not attacked and been aggressive, but was attacked. It did not go and slay, it was slain. The whole idea of what this is saying to us is this lamb is incredibly important for us to see. The seven horns, what does that represent? It's, it's, it's complete power is what it's saying. The seven eyes, it's trying to talk about wisdom. It's, it's complete wisdom. It's this lamb that's there is all-powerful and all-wise, and yet its decision-making is not, I am going to solve the issue of the human problem by force. It's so I'm going to take a step back. And when everybody else wants me to fight and push and be aggressive, I won't. The way that Jesus goes and describes his whole work is that Jesus took on flesh to become the human we could never be, in order that we could be the human that we could never be in our own power. The way that this is so described is when we think of a solution, we think we need to go and take it. We need to solve it for ourselves. Power, aggression, violence, that's the way you solve your problems. And Jesus just in an instant taught us a whole new way of being human when he looks to us and he says, listen, there is a different way. There is an alternative. There is an, an alternative to you fighting violence with violence. You no longer have to be the echo of your enemy's behavior. You can be something different. When everybody else wants to fight, when everybody else wants to kill, when everybody wants to take what's theirs, what does it look like to not? when everybody else is thinking selfishly about how they are to operate in life and I'm gonna handle me, I'll do me. What does it look like to not be that way? Changes everything. See, the way that Jesus decides to encourage us, to tell us to push forward in life is not by saying, you're so great. Look at you, you're so awesome. Keep going, you're gonna do it. No. The way that Jesus says to all of us, hey, you know how I'm gonna get you through this? The way I'm gonna get you through this is by showing you more of myself. If you wanna push past the pain, you don't need a pep talk, you need more of me. When John sees this, everything changes. We just went from weeping, everyone's crying, and it's this depressed and distressed kind of a moment, and everything begins to switch. Look at what it says in verse six. In between the throne the four living creatures, and among the elders I saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain with seven horns, with seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. Verse 7, and he went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who was sitting on the throne, and when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and 24 elders fell down before the lamp, each holding a harp. And golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints, and they sang a new song. That the only response that anyone ever has to seeing Jesus for who he truly is is worship. It's worship. And what is worship not? Let's be really clear. What's worship not? What's been kind of the focal point of all of the problems that we've had so far and that we've been described to? It's one letter. I. So how often do we make worship about I? How often do we leave a worship experience and the number one thing that's in our mind is how it made me feel? How often do we kind of look and rate a worship experience based off of my emotions when I leave the building? How often do we think about an experience of worshiping the God of the universe and the only thing we could actually really think about is ourselves? Because as soon as you put that into perspective, this and this, don't really seem to match up. To worship is to see God for who he truly is, to see Jesus for who he truly is, and just be in such awe and thankfulness and gratefulness that you can't help but shout out his praises. And it's beautiful because what happens is it describes this group of elders, right? This is why this chair is here. The tension, right about this chair. I want you to picture this chair, and I want you to picture a stadium surrounding this, this one single chair. What this begins to say is that there's a group of elders who are immediately around the chair, and they erupt in praise. They see him for who he truly is, and their only response is just to break out in song. And what do they say? Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain, and by your blood you were ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation, and you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. The lower bowl of the stadium is lit up, and people are excited, and you can see everyone around, and all you see is worship. And then in an instant, it's almost like the lights on the second level begin to open up and you see a whole other group of individuals. It's a whole other tier. And look at what it says. Then I looked and I heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders, the voice of many angels. It's the second, it's almost the balcony level. Numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And so you have the one section of the first group singing and worshiping and then all of a sudden it explodes. And the second section is now singing all of his praises more and more and more. And it doesn't even end there. You have these elders and then you have these angels and then all of creation begins to go in. It's like the third section begins to get lit up and you see everything around. And all of them break out in the exact same thing. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying, to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever and every single thing that exists Ever is surrounding this one single throne in a, in a myriad, in a groups of section on sections on sections, going outwards and outwards and outwards. And what is the center of their worship? Him. And the main question we have to ask ourselves when we leave is how often am I the one trying to sit here? Most beautiful thing that this gives to us is one, you are not your own savior. Two, you are not why you worship. Three, figure out where you are in all of this. Man, you might be in the nosebleeds and that's the greatest place you could ever be because you know you're not here. The Lamb of God is here who in awe And thankfulness, you cannot hold back your praises for him. Because all those issues that I talked about, the murder rate, kids dying in my hands, I could choose one option. I can choose to look around, go, who's gonna do something about this? And my natural response would be just like his, to cry, because it's hopeless. Or I choose a second option. I go, who's gonna solve the problem? And I look to where I am originally intended to look, where I am designed to look, And things begin to make a lot more sense. Not aggression, not violence, not war. That's not what true power is. It's not a life of I, but a life to give away. And that's exactly how Jesus won your salvation. Not by grabbing it in the throat, taking control, fighting against it, no. It was a life given up so that he could save yours. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the time that we have here today, God. That as we would just kind of sit in this, that we would look at all of what we have around us, We would look at this beautiful facility. We would look at all the effort that this team puts into all of this production and the worship and beautiful voices. The chairs we're sitting in, the friends that we have with us, and we would just be grateful. Just give us that. Just allow us to leave grateful. Not to think about us and what's so good for me, just to leave in awe of who you are. We would understand our place. We're not on the throne. We don't solve the issues. We're in the stands, cheering. And that would be our behavior. That would be our attitude. And the way that we begin to operate is not what's awesome for me. But as I get to show up somewhere with other f- fellow believers who love Jesus. And we get to come here as the overflow of our worship in everyday life. But I mean, I wanna worship you by, by everything that I do, by the way I talk and how encouraging I am to other individuals, the way that I go and help and serve other people, the way that I use my, my, my words intentionally, the things I think about, all of those things are worship. And just a Tuesday is the overflow of all of that. That I get to be with people who love you and this is the place where I just, I I walk in the door and I can't help but just express the praise that I have for the one seated on the throne who has fixed the issues that no one can fix. When the scroll could not be opened, you opened it, not in the way that we expected, but in a counterintuitive way. That you would allow us and you would show us a brand new way of being human. that we no longer have to fight evil with evil and that you've shown us the alternative to being the echo of our enemy's behavior. So Father, we thank you for all that you're doing, that you would continue to just work in our hearts and allow us in this time of worship to actually put all of our hearts into this, to set our minds correctly, to not think about me, but wholeheartedly just worship you and your greatness. So, Father, we thank you. We love you. Just want to pray. Amen.